This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. I looked at Kevin, then at the lake again, trying to understand. I don't know if the boat will get through all these bodies, I said calmly, my mind in a complete daze. Then I turned away from where Kevin sat and vomited. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called The Feeding. You belong here. Part 12. The Way Out. Back at the cabin, Kevin and I sat across the table from each other in stunned silence. It was still very early, and the day looked like it would be bright and clear, unlike the days before it. No matter how bright, the day still scared me, and I found myself wishing for the gloom and the fog, if only to cover up the rest of this place. I could not bring myself to look at Kevin, whose mind was falling apart. I could see it. We stayed by the lake for some time, trying to understand what we had seen. When Kevin finally got to his feet, I saw a different person. A new Kevin. He walked slowly to the cabin, not speaking a word. I no longer needed to keep up pace, since his own pace was so slow. He was almost crawling. I glanced at his face, and it was frightening. I knew he was trying to make sense of this, to understand what the present and future looked like for us. But he could not see it. He was at a loss. His mind started to unravel, piece by piece, string by string, cell by cell. It was heartbreaking, so I could not look. It was as if I knew nothing of this new person, as if I lost Kevin in that lake, together with Nikki. I felt alone again. Finally, Kevin managed to speak. His voice was hushed and weak. I'm going. I don't care if I die out there in those woods, but I'm not staying here another minute. Part of me did not want him to leave. Wanted him to stay here with me. But you can't leave, I protested. Where would we go? Kevin stared at me, his eyebrow twitching. Are you seriously considering staying here? After what we just saw? I stared at him then and noticed just how different he looked. His features were sinister. His face skinnier. Who did he remind me of? I could not place it. 
I'm going. If you don't want to come with me, then suit yourself, Kevin said and got up from the table. I saw him get his jacket and stuff food in his pockets. He filled empty containers with water and having done that, went to the door. Are you coming? I got up, got my jacket, and followed him out the door. We both avoided looking at the lake, but I heard it. It was a gentle sound of the waves hitting the land. And if it were not for what we'd seen earlier, I would never think anything bad of the lake. Kevin walked toward the woods, determined and gloomy. We made no conversation. We headed for the trees and managed to keep a good pace, walking into the thick of it, me following him closely as he carefully made his way through. In the bright sunlight, the trees no longer looked so sinister, and I was starting to feel optimistic. Then Kevin turned, and I saw just how disturbed he looked with his big, frightened eyes. I did not say anything, but he sure did remind me of someone at that moment, and my heart sank. Of course, I knew it was Kevin, just him and no one else. We kept walking. Finally, we reached a clearing, and it looked promising. Could it be? Kevin walked faster, excited at the prospect of getting out of that place. We walked on and spotted something in the distance. Kevin and I exchanged happy glances and almost ran towards it. Well, how disappointed we were only a moment later when we discovered that we were once again headed towards that same cabin with the lake clearly visible at the back of it. We stood in front of it, frozen. Hey, this is Chris from the Criminal Perspective Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast you're currently listening to on the Crawlspace Media Network, consider checking out Criminal Perspective. On Criminal Perspective, I take 11 years of my experience corresponding with notorious murderers and I bring it directly to you. At times, I'll give you interviews directly with the most heinous murderers imaginable, like Nico Klo, the Vampire of Paris. I read that I read that you found some cookies in his kitchen, and you just sat there eating cookies, watching them squirm around and die. Yeah, it wasn't actual cookies. I think I, I think it was bread, just bread. But uh, yeah, yeah, I ate something. I just sat sat down on a corner and watched him die, basically. Other times, I'll bring you survivors of violent crime telling their harrowing tales themselves, like Shasta McLean, who survived being abducted by serial killer Joseph Duncan. After being at that campsite for like two, like a week or two, he had asked me how I wanted to die. He said because uh, I had to choose one or the other. It could either be quick, or it could, or you know, it could be the slow process. So he gave me the option of being strangled to death, where he gave me the option of being shot. So please check out Criminal Perspective on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are heard. Criminal Perspective is a cross-based media podcast.
We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 20% off of any purchase by using the show code PI20. That's P-I-20. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. Are you kidding me? Kevin hurled a bottle of water down on the ground, and it broke as it hit the surface. Kevin was in a rage. How is this possible? Did we just make a big circle? I stared at him, frightened by how angry he suddenly was. How did this happen? He yelled at me, furious. I was following you, remember? I backed away, a bit scared of him when he was so angry. Well, I guess maybe I took a wrong turn, Kevin said and then turned around. Let's go followed him back into the woods, keeping my distance for fear that he might do something. The whole time I searched my mind for who Kevin reminded me of. We took a different path this time, making our way through the thick bush that led us to another forest with uneven terrain. We struggled our way through until we once again came upon a clearing. The sun started to settle, and we were beside ourselves with happiness at having finally come across something new. But our happiness ended soon after, as we once again found ourselves at the front of the cabin with the same terrifying lake behind it. That's when Kevin flew into a rage like never before. His face turned pale, and he started flinging all the food he was carrying at the cabin, muttering something to himself the whole time. I stared at him, and suddenly, I knew who he reminded me of. It was Frank. The same person who chased after me, who chased me into these horrible woods. The man who was responsible for this whole mess. I backed away, suddenly very frightened. Kevin turned towards me, and I swear I could see a rope in his hand. Yes. Yes, it was Frank. I knew this now. He approached and I backed away, terrified. It was then that I noticed it again. The black bird that had led me all along. It made a noise, and I looked up, noticing it looking down on us. What are you staring at? Kevin yelled at me. 
Can't you see what is happening here? He made a move towards me, but I was fast. I ran to the side and grabbed a can of food he just threw at the cabin. I raised it up defensively. Don't you come near me, I said. I am not afraid of you. Frank looked at me, his eyes exhausted, his features dark, and started to laugh. He laughed, and that sound carried through the woods, bouncing off each tree and multiplying. Before I knew it, the whole forest was laughing. I could stand it no longer. I was not going to let Frank chase me into the woods this time. No, not again. I ran at him and knocked him off his feet. He did not stop laughing, which made everything worse. So much worse. I swung the can and hit him as hard as I could across his face. I got on top of him and hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. It kept going until I noticed that the sun was down and it got dark. I stopped once the bird landed on his body. It was not shy. It started pulling pieces of Kevin's body off, pulling pieces of Frank's body off, and devouring them with its sharp beak. I looked onto the scene and decided that I, too, must be famished. So I leaned in and followed the lead, swallowing whole mouthfuls and drinking the still, warm blood. I was exhausted and hungry from all this walking through the woods, all this running with Frank close behind me, following my every step, chasing after me. So I ate my fill. The bird made a sound and landed next to me. It went for my ear, but I shooed it away. Not yet. I climbed off of Frank's cool body and creeped toward the cabin on my hands and knees, laughing a quiet laugh, my hyena laugh. It was so good to creep, so liberating to laugh as I did, and the trees rubbed their branches, singing their horrifying song to me making the awful sound carry far, far into the cold night. I clawed at the frozen ground and followed my dark new friend towards the lake where it had settled on the branch above. The lake was calming, cold and glassy. It displayed what was hidden inside its waters with pride. I followed the bodies with my gaze as they floated by, swaying silently, looking up at me, inviting me in. I was, after all, starving. Starving, ravenous, and in need of a good feeding. 
so I creeped along the edge of the lake, creeped into its clear waters, and commenced to feed on the whiteness it offered me. Feed on the flesh, floating peacefully in its waters. And I ate and ate, famished, and laughed my little hyena laugh. And as I fed on them all, I was finally satisfied. The starvation lifted, and my feeding was complete. Thank you for listening to The Feeding, a crawlspace media production of a pie rational story, narrated by Valerie Bogart. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.